0: this week at Hope Point, You'll never have another opportunity to serve God through sacrifice than these remaining years of your life. You can't sacrifice for Jesus in heaven. Never again will these opportunities be given to you. So life is hard. Get over it. I mean, truly, I say that sympathetically. I say that to me. You still need to serve him in the midst of the hardship because that's your purpose now. Serve him so Christ will be glorified. The world is counting on you. We're so glad to have you join us for today's message. We pray that it would challenge and encourage you to applaud God, follow Christ, and live on mission. Let's listen to what Richard has to say to us from God's holy word. There's a lot of reasons that cultures collapse uh, and that nations fall, but the root cause of the downfall of any culture is its refusal to glorify God. Take all the sins of culture, they're all summarized by that. Revelation 18 describes the destruction of a city called Babylon. If you're not here, haven't been here, that city just represents all cities. It represents all cultures. It represents all of rebellious mankind that defies God and denies God. It's represented in the city of Babylon because it was the most boastful of all the ancient cities against the Lord. So when God says he's going to destroy Babylon, it's a way of saying, I'm going to judge all of culture for their refusal to say thank you and to honor me. This is how the judgment looks in 18. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, so that you'll not share in her sins, so that you'll not receive any of her plagues, for her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes, and then he lists them. Give her as much torment and grief as the glory and luxury that she gave herself. So in verse seven, there's more to say in the rest of the book, but in verse seven, two flaws, a fallen culture that calls the judgment of God to come about. Number one is it praises itself instead of God. And two, it values material comfort above God. Now those are such two massive subjects. We only have time today to look at the first of of a culture that lives to praise itself instead of God. And that is found again in verse seven. Five words, why she's destroyed, why culture will be judged. The glory she gave herself. The word glory comes from a Greek word, doxa, which means the weight or worth of something. You could say the glory of God is the weight and worth of God. Or to understand that better, you could say God's weight might be his impact. How how impactful is God or how valuable is God? So so what kind of impact does God make to measure his glory? You can imagine going to Atlanta, New York, Charlotte, any big city where... 4 a.m. in the morning, the skyscrapers rise, and if every light was turned on in those buildings by the brilliant people who work there, those lights in those buildings would really do nothing to diminish the darkness of the city. But when God turns on his light, the sun, all of a sudden, 6 or 6.30, the entire city is illuminated. God is the ultimate one who can impact that city, not the brilliance of the men and women who work in those buildings. So, God is the one who makes always the ultimate impact in our lives. Without the sun, we live in darkness. We're cold. So, that's his impact. What's his value? How do you measure the value of God, the worth of God? We could start by saying, How valuable are your eyes? How valuable is your eyesight? Could I give you today, make a trade, give me a, I'll give you a million dollars, you give me your eyes. You'll never see again. Will you take that trade? Not if you're sane. <laughs> uh, 10 million? Never see anything again. Uh, maybe I can't talk for you, I'll talk for me. You couldn't give me 100 million. You, you couldn't give me 10 hundred million, whatever that is. You, that's right. Forgot <laughs> So I know that God is worth at least $100 because he's the one who designed these eyes. I, I wouldn't take $100 million for them. So I know that the designer of just eyes alone is worth at least $100 million because it's not an equal trade. I want to see through the eyes that God gave me to see. So when we talk about to glorify God, to glorify God is to direct our ultimate thanksgiving and devotion to God because of his impact and value. Without God, we cannot make any impact. Without God, we have nothing of value. Everything comes from him. Our ability to impact comes from him. What we have in our life of value has come from him. I I went to the dentist this week, and I don't want to be bragging, but no cavities. (laughs) And I... I want to talk about my teeth a minute and I, listen, if you don't have teeth, this is a no judgment zone. If you haven't flossed and lost some along the way, no judgment here, but I was taught as an early flosser, was, save those teeth. Well, I just love any part of the medical world, so I'm sitting there, they're telling me, Richard, you did, put, well, you can see, I got—I do have a filling in the right, the bottom right of that tooth. I didn't do well that, that year of my life, but... I noticed a, you know, that thing, the sort of a darker line in the middle on the right side where the red arrow is. I just said, what is that? This was your nerve. What is a nerve, you know, I know nerve, heard all that. Well, what does it do? It's cool, like it tells your tooth when it hits something, it's soft, you don't have to press down so hard. Or if you're like eating a peanut, hey, bite a little harder. And all that's going on today when you eat lunch, N- the nerve talking to your tooth, talking to your brain, how much you should be chomping. This cool. And then, on the left side, the two green arrows are pointing to the roots that go into the gums. So I got my heart pumping blood throughout my body and it finds its way into those roots to send blood into my tooth to keep my tooth alive so it won't fall out. So here you are sitting here today. You got teeth. Your teeth aren't falling out because... Blood's going to them and you're going to eat today lunch, chomping appropriately. <laughs> All because God has designed that tooth like that. And so God says that because of these beautiful, beautiful gifts of the Lord that have nothing to do, you have, you're not doing anything today to make blood flow in your tooth, are you? Now that I'm aware of, you're just sitting there. You look like you're just sitting there. You may be thinking about it real hard. Maybe that's why it's happening. But because you're just sitting there and it's happening, it says whether you eat or drink, I mean, the smallest things, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Do it with thanksgiving, the fact that God, you did this and not not me. I received a a picture this week from the man that uh, I interviewed on stage uh, a, a couple Sundays ago, our church planter in India, Pratha. When he got back, he they have their own baby dedications, children dedications and so there was a couple there in his church the uh interesting story they they both came out of hindu backgrounds and um they're they're both followers of christ they both were orphaned at birth and lived at different orphanages and they both contracted hiv from their parents while in the womb and yet they they just uh, or you know within the past months gave birth to their child who does not have HIV and both of them have it in their blood. So they, they named their child Ardana because it means worship, worship. In all things, eating and drinking, naming babies, raising families, going to work, do it to the glory of God, or as the old Westminster Catechism used to say, the purpose of life is to enjoy God and glorify him forever. That's why on our greeting a lot of times from the stage, we always say, we are here to help you applaud God, follow Christ, and live on mission, and the, the first word of that is very strategically chosen because this is the purpose of life, is to applaud God. You say, what, what, why am I here? 1 Corinthians 10.31, whatever you do, do it to the applause of God. The delight in telling God, thank you, is your purpose of being here. To be fully devoted to thanksgiving and to be fully devoted to honor him for your teeth, your eyesight, your children, and of course your forgiveness that we'll talk about later. But this is the purpose of life delighting in saying thank you to God. Absolutely foreign to culture. It's it's why churches aren't filled up. They don't believe any reason to thank God. This is why Babylon will be judged, Romans 18, the glory she gave not to God but to herself. In her heart she boasts, I, not God, I. I sit enthroned as a queen and I will never mourn. I'll not have any problems. I don't need God. I, I did it all. I, I don't need to tell him thank you. I don't need to obey him. I did it. That's culture. This is what culture is going to be. Judge and the judgment will be severe, as Revelation eighteen eight says. Therefore, in one day, her plagues will overtake her. Death, mourning, and famine; she'll be consumed by fire. For mighty is the Lord God, who judges her. You say, well, why is the judgment of God in the Bible so uh, severe? It's because the most hateful and ungrateful thing that a human being can do is to not say thank you to God. It is the chief of all of all sins. say it this way, God's glory is so valuable and so visible that he will not allow the world's rejection of his glory to go unchallenged. So when the world says, uh, you didn't do anything, God, that's noteworthy, praiseworthy, you've done nothing that should merit me coming to church and singing, nothing. So in my quote that, you know, it's not only is the glory of God valuable, but it is, you can see there, the beginning of the second line, the glory of God is visible. You can't miss it. This is why God's judgment is so severe. It's not like you missed something that was hidden. That's why it's the worst of all sins because you choose to miss it. This is what Romans 1 is all about why God's judgment is coming. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. So they're, they're pushing the truth down uh, like a beach ball underwater, and it's hard to do that. They are intentionally saying, I will not praise you. I will not serve you. It's... They're suppressing the truth, not by their ignorance, but by their wickedness. In other words, it's not an intellectual problem that they just somehow missed it. It's a moral problem. They do not want to use their lives to glorify God. We read on in Romans one, for although they knew God, see it's clear, they neither glorified him as god nor gave thanks to him but their thinking became futile and their hearts were darkened and they exchanged the truth about god for a lie all willful choices nothing that was uh, happened by that they missed it they chose to be blind and there's here's a the consequence because of this, because of this refusal to give God glory, God gave them over to shameful lusts and they have become filled with every kind of wickedness. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. And this is simply a description of our present day culture, a culture of chaos. And people choose this. They go into vo- bo- booth, vote on this. We want this, chaos versus giving glory to God. We would rather have chaos And God says, I will give you over to what you you want. Not glorifying God is the worst of of all sins. So, how do you live in such a world? We got a world, a culture that says we don't want to glorify God, it's very strong, It impresses itself on us. So how do you do that? This is the most important verse in verse 18. I've said it before today and probably next week. God says, verse four, then I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, come out of culture, my people so that you will not share in her sins so that you will not receive any of her plagues. So Babylon is gonna be judged because she refuses to give glory to God. Therefore, we come out of that and we live our life for the glory, the applause of God. So what I want to do today is end with how can we glorify God in Babylon? In this culture, how can we do that? Two ways. Number one, rejoice in the person and work of Jesus. If you get this wrong, you will not glorify God in any other area of your life. This is where glory is to God starts. We're approaching Christmas season, can't wait. Some people have already, I know, put up their trees, but we're getting there in that Christmas season and we can't wait to revisit again the night when millions of angels filled the sky and made an announcement to shepherds in the fields. The angel said to those shepherds, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Messiah, the Lord. The most important title that Jesus could have is one who's come to save us from our sins. I told you, in between the services, one of the grandparents who was here to dedicate these children told me, he was an older guy, said, I've only been following the Lord five years. I said, well, how did that happen? Coming to the Lord at this stage of life? He He said, I hadn't been in a church for 60 years until five years ago. I was in the Navy for 20 and." then lived a hard-working, driven life for the next, for 40 more years. And my wife died, and I had another death in my life, and I began to contemplate my own death. And I heard the message of Christ and gave my life and asked him to be the savior of my life in these twilight years of, of my life. He's come to be the savior. And so when the shepherds heard that, what do you do when you hear that Jesus has come to save us from your sins? You glorify him. Verse 20, Luke 2, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd seen and heard. The only response to God is to glorify him, to live in delightful applause of all that, the impact that he makes, the value that he, he gives. So that was Jesus on the first night of his life, how he was praised. But on the last night of his earthly life, before he was crucified, he has a very interesting prayer for us. He's praying for you, even 2,000 years ago, in the garden. John 17, 24, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. I can assure you I've prayed a lot of prayers coming into Sunday morning, but I've never prayed that one. God, when I stand on stage, would they see my glory? (laughs) And he does, he prays that, because he can deliver. Listen, when you love somebody, the most important thing you want for them is their highest joy. And so Jesus says, the highest joy I can give you is to see the source of all the rivers, the source of all the oceans, the source of all the sunsets, the place where babies are made, where all sails are made, where all commands are given, where history is governed, to see me and my glory. And I want you to see that, where it all the fountain of all beauty And I want you to be with me where I am and to see something that will satisfy you forever and ever. But for that to happen, suffering had to occur in the life of Jesus, which just a few verses later in the second verse, the first one I just read is up top. Below it says, John 18, next chapter, then the detachment of soldiers arrested Jesus. So he prays, I want them to see glory so they'll have the highest joy. And in order to make that happen, he had to suffer. So you know the story. The soldiers came and Jesus endured a mock trial. Uh, They stripped him of his clothes, put a crown of thorns on his head, nailed him to a cross. He died, buried. Three days later, rose from the grave all for the purpose of removing guilt and shame and sin from your life so that you would be able to go to the city of God and live there forever and see his to see his glory. So now you can understand why Paul would write, whatever you do, eat or drink, do for the glory of God, not just for teeth not just for babies, not just for the food and winter clothes and gasoline in your car, but for the fact that Jesus endured the world's greatest suffering so that you could experience the greatest glory that's why you always live to delightfully applaud the Lord. So, what I want to do today <clears throat> is to tell you that even though that's the highest purpose in life, the reason why the world is in trouble is our greatest problem in life is not getting that verse. All things we do for God's glory. And yet the most familiar verse in the book of Romans is probably this one, verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And now I think you can understand the significance of that verse. Because the problem in this room, we have a whole bunch of different kind of sins that we do. Some have envy and greed. Others have malice, anger. Others have lust or drunkenness. But everybody basically has the same sin in this world. And that is as sin is defined here, it's failing to acknowledge the significance, the impact, and the value of God every day of our life. If I ask you how you're doing with the Christian life, I already know that answer. You're living below this. None of us ever live throughout a day fully getting that right, fully appreciating God, and fully responding in a way that would show we know his, his value and impact. You say, well, that would just be terrible if that's where Romans stopped. But almost the next verse says, and all, all of us who miss missed God's glory, all of us are justified freely, forgiven, declared not guilty of something we were guilty of, <laughs> freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus through the shedding of his blood to receive, be received by faith oh so all of us have failed to give God glory and all of us who put our faith in the blood of Christ are forgiven of that failure so If you want to glorify God, you say, okay, that's what we're doing, learning how to glorify God. The very place that it starts is to thank God for the gift of his son. And if you get that one wrong, you will not glorify God in any other area of your life. If God says to the world, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, and you say that's not a big deal, nothing else you do will ever glorify God because you miss first base you miss the ultimate thing in life, is to thank God for the gift of Christ. All right, the second way we glorify God, number two, is to please the Lord through the service and sacrifice of your body. I have five verses, I'll go through them quickly, for uh, living for the glory of God with your body. How do I glorify God with my body? The first verse is Matthew 5, in the same way, verse 16, Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The reason that any good deed is ever acceptable, God, is it's done with the motive by the doer, God, I want people to see you and worship you because of what I did. The world is content just to do good deeds because they're good deeds. You know, I I solved a problem and made me feel good. The believer, the follower of Christ says, no, no, I want the good deed to point people to the supremacy of God and his worth and his value. We partner with a ministry in India called Set Free and they drill wells in uh, Sierra Leone, West Africa and then all over India and, and every well they drill in these villages that have no clean drinking water Every time they drill a well, they want the villagers to see Christ and not the well. So every well they put with this sign, this a well is dedicated to Jesus Christ and then put that verse from John seven that Jesus is the water of life. It's not enough to drill a well, they want to drill a well that points people to Christ. The second verse of how to use our body to glorify God is 1 Peter 2, verse 12. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. So, this verse says that even your spiritual adversaries will give God a second look because of the faithful consistency of your life when you're with them. That there's no big scandal that ruins your witness. So much so that even though they disagree with you theologically, they'll say, I'll listen again to your gospel presentation. I put this in the uh, sermon notes. You can watch it later. But it's a fascinating interview um, from, between Rosaria Butterfield and uh, her pastor, eventual pastor, Ken Smith. But I love the title of this, how a liberal feminist was introduced to Jesus by a conservative pastor. She hated him. She hated his church when she first met him but hundreds of hours of conversations. And she saw the faithful, consistent, uh, truth-telling life of this compassionate man and his wife that she gave her life to Christ. That's what 1 Peter 2.12 is all about. The world will give us a second look if our lives are really consistent before them. Number three, or the third verse, uh, how to use your body to glorify God. 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee, Run like crazy from sexual immorality. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? You're not your own. You were bought at a price, that'd be the blood of Christ. Therefore, honor God. Glorify. That's the word glorify, doxa. Therefore, glorify God with your bodies. When Paul wrote this letter to the people of Corinth, they lived in a city that, right in this City Square was this temple of Aphrodite and a 1,000 temple prostitutes worked there. And some of the believers from this church used to degrade their bodies by taking their bodies, by walking in and having, committing sexual sin with these temple prostitutes. And now they're in this church, forgiven, cleansed, pure, righteous, holy, made new bodies because of the blood of Christ. And so Paul writes to them and says, "You know, you used to go into that temple. Don't do that anymore, because now your very body that had been stained by that temple, your body is cleaned, and now Jesus lives in your body that, that's the temple. Keep your body, your temple, clean. Oh, It's amazing that God would live inside our bodies. But it's true. Maybe the key verse at the end of verse 19, right there before verse 20, you are not your own, which means you do not own you anymore. You don't own you. Jesus paid for you. He owns you. Keep your body pure. Fourth verse, uh, 1 Peter 4, 11, if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised. Doxa glorified through Jesus Christ. People always ask, why doesn't God just take us to heaven after we're saved? And why does he leave us here, which could go into glory? Well, there's a reason, because you're uniquely wired. You know people that, You have circumstances in your life that bring you into other people that you're going to meet and nobody is going to really be able to display the love and hope of Christ like you are so he leaves you here to serve. Your whole life now is to be thinking, serving this Jesus who served me. Listen, you'll never have another opportunity to serve God through sacrifice than these remaining years of your life. You can't sacrifice for Jesus in heaven. Never again will these opportunities be given to you. So life is hard. Get over it. Truly, I say that sympathetically. I say that to me. You still need to serve him in the midst of the hardship because that's your purpose now. Serve him so Christ will be glorified. The world is counting on you to be faithful in that. I read a great article this week uh, about how hard it is. And Sorry if I was disrespectful to your pain. I didn't mean to do it. I just said, we just gotta find a mindset. We don't quit because it's hard, because it's hard. The father of the bride gave a a, a charge to the new couple uh, at the wedding last night. I love it, he said, here's my advice for a marriage. Figure it out. (laughs) So there's a lot of serving God. you got to figure it out because it's just hard. And I love the way this guy said this. This is, this is the article. You can read the rest of it on a website. We have it linked. Uh, I'll read half of it. Uh, it's written by Owen Straughan. Christianity is death to self, a mountain hike through a dangerous forest. It talks about how hard it is to serve God consistently. There is nothing fancy or flashy or exciting about much of Christianity. It is death to self over and over again. We all crave a souped up Christian existence. We all want an exciting walk of faith. We want a microwavable marriage, a painless child raising experience, a smooth as silk career path. Much of the time, this simply is not how things work. The Christian life amounts to a whole lot of God-powered patience, endurance, forgiveness, humility, and steadiness. The quiet stuff, you could call it. You're less like a lord of the cosmos, issuing orders and getting what you want on the spot, more like a humble servant, filling your role and doing your duty. The Christian life is a life built for the trenches. That's the center of this God-glorifying trek, death to self. It's way, way easier to be theoretically committed to dying to self than it is to actually die to self. (laughs) Christianity is not easy, but Christianity is glorious. If your lived Christian experience is hard, don't wonder if you've got the plot wrong. This is almost certainly where God wants you to be. He is not withholding some great insight from you that leaves you incomplete. He wants you to die to yourself. He wants you to give up your own self-driven plan. Go ahead and do that. Put that typed out little life plan in the mental shredder. Don't do so morosely. Do it cheerfully. Because whatever God has for you, it's not merely different than what you had planned for yourself. It's eternally better. Death to self, you see, is the path to life That is no easy way to walk, it's true, but then think about this. Do you remember the easy half-mile strolls in your life, the ones that cost you nothing? Or do you remember the jaw-dropping hike through a mountain forest, a trek that featured tired and aching feet, and at the end of your journey, a spellbinding, never-to-be-forgotten summit view? Then he concludes with this. Just so we're clear, the half-mile stroll is your life plan, friend. The mountain hike—that's God's. Last thing I want to tell you. Last verse, fifth verse. How do we glorify God through our bodies? Is found in John uh, twenty-one. Before I do that, I'll misfold it. Here it is. Let me set it up. Jesus had died on the cross, risen from the grave, and now He goes and meets with His disciples and Peter. Peter had betrayed the Lord, denied even knowing the Lord, gave into fear, was a coward in the moment of courage. And now Jesus is going to reinstate him to leadership to a larger platform than ever. He's going to be the leader of the first church. And here's Jesus' motivational speech to Peter. Remember, he had just failed. Jesus is trying to amp him up. This is a pregame speech, guys. I can't believe Jesus said this. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, Peter, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. Peter, there was a time when your life was yours. Those days are over. You could do what you wanted, no more. Now I want you to do what I want you to do. And then he describes it. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the, the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. He's trying to prepare him for leadership, and that's his speech. I'm going to tell you that you're going to die, Peter, in Rome on a cross. And he did. He requested, Peter requested, that he even be nailed upside down because he wasn't honored. It was, he didn't want to dishonor the way the Lord died. But Peter went on and did great things, no looking back from that point on because he trusted Jesus so much who had died on a cross for his sins, risen from the grave, that he trusted Jesus that even if it was the Lord's call that this was going to be the way that he would die, he believed the Lord this is the way that I will most glorify him. And he said, I'll do that. Did I tell you I went to the dentist this week? <laughs> when I left, uh, in the lobby waiting to be seen was Debbie Sabeski, a good friend of mine, a lot of yours. And it was just great providence. I, you know, Debbie, just a mile a minute, praise to God. I hadn't even sat down. She goes, Richard, do you know that it was to this day, this very day where you and I are sitting here 17 years ago, that God took our precious Hannah, 18-year-old senior at dormant, took him to heaven. Oh. And there was such peace and composure. I'm talking to a woman who will grieve the rest of her life over the, 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 the death of an, of an 18-year-old girl at Dorman, who contracted cancer and within six months was with the Lord. But you, when you talk to Debbie, you know that she fully trusts God that this was the manner of death by which Hannah would glorify Christ. She believes and her. She was filled with so much praise that day for all sorts of things. She was so wondrously loud in that waiting room that when she left, she apologized to this guy across the way and said, I'm so sorry about how loud I've been and my praise to God, what is your name? He said, my name is Russell and I've thoroughly enjoyed all that you had to say. Even 17 years later, precious Hannah, Jesus was still glorified by the way in which she died because that's what Jesus had chosen for her and it happened in that dentist office that day. I don't know what pain you're going through and I know some of it is more than I have tasted and may will taste but I know that all of you have some degree of pain in this room but I want to tell you if you are a follower of Christ I want to tell you that Jesus has chosen this path for you so that on this path you He would reveal himself to you and to others through you in such a way he will be more glorified than if this pain had not occurred. That's his purpose. It's filled with love. It is about that others would see the joy of Christ that you have seen yourself. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast from Hope Point Church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. If you would like to learn more about us or give to this ministry, please go to our website at hopepoint.org. We hope you can join us again next week.